0: So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. What's the point of becoming profitable? I've talked to hundreds of shop owners over the years, and not a single one told me they wanted to become profitable so they could roll around in coins like Scrooge McDuck, buy Lamborghinis and beach houses, and just wallow in their cash. No, Almost all of them open their shops to better the lives of their families, their employees, and their community. And while this is a great and noble goal, sadly, many don't achieve the necessary profit to make this happen. But what if there was a more efficient model you could deploy in your shop to make this goal a reality and in less time? This is exactly what Matt Carlson of Fix It Forward Auto Care has discovered. And in this episode, he's gonna share what he's accomplished and give you the practical steps so you can deploy some of these strategies in your own shop. This is an impactful interview, so stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888 953 2379 or visit them online at leads near me.com leads near me effortlessly increase car count matt welcome to the show
1: hey thanks for having me
0: yeah man so glad you're here uh matt i've i've known you for a while uh as with most of our guests and uh I, I'm really happy to have in the show because you have a really unique setup at your shop, uh, something that I've really never seen before. And when I heard about it, I was like, "Man, I think that the people listening to this podcast would love to hear about this." Uh, it's a little controversial, maybe, but I, I know that you're going to kind of shed some light on, on why the way you've set it up uh, can be really successful. So, uh, without sounding too mysterious, you know, let's dive in, man. Uh, first off, you know, for folks that don't know you,
1: uh, who's Matt? So uh, my name is Matt Carlson. I'm from Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, we've got three shops in here called Fix-It Forward Auto Care. So we've been in business for approaching five years now. We're just coming up on our five-year anniversary and, uh, and things have been going pretty good for us.
0: That's great, man. So where does the business stand right now? You said you have uh, multiple locations. What kind of numbers are we doing? Give us some stats.
1: Uh, We've got uh, three locations now and uh, about 35 employees total between corporate and and the three locations. All of our shops are between nine and 11 bays. So we've got larger shops and we're doing a little over 600,000 a month across the three shops. Our best month so far is 640. If we can get our staff up to where we really want it to be, I think we've got 750 or so uh, with just these locations available to us. That's some great numbers, man. Yeah, it's not too bad for you know less than five years. We started from nothing. We didn't buy a shop or you know take over a shop. So going from zero to six hundred in a month uh, per month, uh, we're pretty happy with that. I I would be very happy with that too. Great job, man.
0: Uh, now your business is really unique because it is part of a ministry. Can you? I want to dive deep into that in a little bit, but kind of high level. Just explain how this is set up.
1: So we've got two organizations. We've got Fix It Forward Auto Care, which is a regular automotive shop, just like everybody else. And then we've got Fix It Forward Ministry, which is a nonprofit that we've started to enable people uh, to get through their transportation issues. So we give away cars and we do free car repairs for people in our community. That's great. So uh,
0: let's take a step back. Uh, You also have a really unique background on how you got into the industry. And in fact, I don't know how you made this transition because these are very different worlds. Um, What world did you come from and and how the heck did you end up in auto repair?
1: So I'm a software engineer by trade. I actually worked for Microsoft for 15 years as a software developer. Uh, And uh, while I enjoyed software... Development. I've always had a real passion for cars. I just love cars. I love working on cars. I love driving cars. I love playing with cars. I love old cars. I love performance cars. Like, I've always had this passion. And most of my friends are really excited. You know, I kind of group with people who love cars. And so, you know, I've been, I live out on a farm. I've got a lot of resources to store stuff. So I just accumulate cars and (laughs) fix them up. As do most of my friends. And we started thinking, hey, you know, all this time we spend fixing up old cars, you know, maybe we could, you know, do something more valuable at this time. Like, there's, like, how many cars does one person need? And (laughs) I don't know what that number is yet, but, you know, when I get there, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a high number. but It's a high number, right? Yeah you know, I thought, you know, we spend all this time working on cars just to park them in a, in a shed. Maybe we could help somebody because we were seeing these stories about people who, you know, they might be in a homeless shelter and their their alternators out in their cars. So they don't have transportation, so they can't get a job. So they can't get out of the shelter. And, and we thought, well, maybe if we are just, you know, fix their car for them, it wouldn't, it isn't really that hard or expensive. We could get them going and, and then they could get a job and they could become self-sufficient and, and everybody's going to be better, right? They're going to be happier because they're self-sufficient and the whole community's going to do better because they're not having to support people. And uh, so uh, myself and another friend of mine who was a Microsoft, a developer at Microsoft, uh, we started this nonprofit Fix It Forward Ministry and we just started working with the local woman's shelter and said, Hey, can, is there anybody's car that we could just take and fix? And so we fixed a couple cars and we fixed a couple more and, as it turns out, when you give away um, everything for free, it's really easy to grow, uh, and so we were able to just keep giving away more or working on cars. And then we started having people donate cars to us. We'd fix those and give them away. We started working with other organizations, um, and it and it really just took off from there. So so it's cool. We started this nonprofit, and I was still working at Microsoft. I'm like, this is there's so much meaning and purpose to this nonprofit thing we're yeah. doing that I would like to have that much meaning and purpose in my life all the time. And uh, mm-hmm. the problem with working at a big corporation like Microsoft is you're such a small cog in a big wheel that you know, like, if I never worked there, it wouldn't have made a measurable difference in the organization, right? I mean, I did things, but it's not measurable in, in an organization that big. And so I actually left Microsoft with the intentions of just running our nonprofit full time. Uh, and then once we did that, the nonprofit really started growing. And then we ran into these, this problem where, uh, one, we, we, you know, people are donating these cars to us. Where do we put all these cars? Uh, and where do we store them? And then we'd, people would come out to my personal shop because, you know, it's the shop I used to restore cars and we'd work on, but it. It's big for a personal shop, but it's not big for a shop. So we were running out of space there, and we had no office space uh, to work out of. And the biggest problem we had was we were we found out we were uninsurable um, the way we were wow. organized. Because when you go out and get Garage Keepers insurance, they ask you, well, how many employees do you have? Uh, how many mechanics do you have? And what revenue do you do every month? And when to, the answer to both those questions is zero. <laughs> They're stuck, right? They don't know what to do. They're like, we have no idea how to assess the risk here, so we can't insure you. Uh, And so based on some conversations with some insurance people that were really in the know, some underwriters, uh, we thought, you know, the best way to solve all these problems without increasing our overhead, because we don't, you know, we had to fundraise for all the parts and and all our overheads, so we don't want to raise that or we have to just raise more money. Why don't we just start an auto repair shop and... Uh, the auto repair shop can pay for all the equipment and the rent and the electricity, and the nonprofit can use it after hours for free. So that's really how we got there. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'm a relatively smart guy. How hard could this be? I went out and got a building, hired a couple people and said, let's start an auto shop. And that's when I found out just how hard it could be. And, and that's, that's where things really got, got challenging for us.
0: So let's dive into that. I mean, what what did those challenges look like? Because you have this thriving ministry, and then you have this outer pair shop that you know is is just started. Like, what did that look like?
1: So I went out and I got a building, and it was it's a relatively large building. It's I mean it's still our primary building. It's seventy two hundred square feet, so it's a, a decent sized shop. We've got. 10 lifts in there now. We didn't at the time. Um, I hired two technicians because I know I'm not a technician, right? Like I'm a hobbyist and I can fix some stuff, but I'm not on the same scale as a real technician. So I hired, I was able to find two good technicians I knew that were involved with our nonprofit that really wanted to be part of what we're doing. And I hired a manager uh, to help run this because I knew I didn't know what I was doing. The problem being uh, the manager I hired um, was really old school, and so he he's came from a family business. They've been doing this for forty years, and that's kind of how they ran things. And jumping in like that, uh, we just were losing a lot of money. We were we were we had a good customer base. Like we did thirty thousand dollars our first month. And, you know, we just hit the ground running, but we stayed there and we weren't making money. We were actually losing money because we didn't know how to price things and we didn't have any good processes in place. And we were able to fix the cars, right? Because I hired good techs, but from a business perspective, it was horrible. And so about six months into this, um, I really, I was really concerned because like we were losing five to $10,000 a month. And, you know, that's clearly not sustainable. Uh, Just because I started so big, uh, but without knowing how to run anything. And I really started, uh, I mean, legitimately freaking out because at this point I thought, hey, if I lose this business, like I don't know if I can even bring back our nonprofit to, to operate as was before. Like I might lose the whole thing if we don't figure out how to make this business work right. And I had no idea. Like, what do you do when you don't know anybody in the industry? Like you can't go talk to your neighbors. Like they weren't doing that good anyway and they didn't have any good advice. So I was, I was really terrified at that point that I had just cost myself a lot of money and, uh, created a situation that might, might actually cause my nonprofit to fail, not just the business.
0: Yeah. Were were you still at Microsoft at this point or had you
1: stepped away? I had stepped away. I stepped away from Microsoft about a year before we started the business just to focus on the nonprofit and then realizing that one, I can't sit still. I like to do things. And two, we needed to have a business to to find that. So what happened was like, I didn't have any idea how to get out of this. I had no idea where I would find the advice. Like I didn't know... What metrics to track. And even if I did come up with a metric, I didn't know what the number should be anyway. So, what's the point? You know, I wouldn't know if my numbers were good or bad. And, uh, in what happened, you know, not knowing anybody else in the industry, because I just like stumbled into this, uh, I would, I Facebook being so kind decided that I needed to you know, be part of these groups. And Facebook pointed out the the ASOC group, which is, you know, a, a group online of other shop owners. And I, this is awesome. And so then I was able to find some other shop owners. And then within that group at that time, some people started talking about the ShopFix thing. And so then I'm like, okay, I never heard of anything like this. I didn't know there was coaching available anywhere. And so then I looked into ShopFix and I thought, well, maybe there that's where people know how this stuff works so in 2018 the fall of 2018 I went to a, a shop hackers conference and uh, and joined and that's where I was able to start learning what are the numbers I need to track where are the systems I need to put in place like I just had no ability to find this otherwise and the advantage that we had at that point was I didn't have any bad habits because I didn't have any habits at all like we just didn't know what we were doing so we said okay now that we've got somebody that can tell us how to do things, uh, what's a good way, what's good systems. Uh, I actually let my manager go because he wasn't going the right direction. He didn't want to change. He wanted to do things his way. I har- hired somebody else to help run the nonprofit side and I took over management of the shop and we just started um, you know, fixing things. And uh, that's when all of our growth started and things really took off.
0: How w- When you started making those changes, I mean, how quick was the the growth and turnaround.
1: Um, it was, it was really fast. Like within the first couple months, we were able to make enough changes to um, at least stop losing money. Right, that was my big goal. It's like we just have yeah. to stop losing money. I never thought about actually making money. I I literally there was a little questionnaire that said, "Hey, what are your goals in in coaching?" And I'm like, I want to just stop losing money. That's what I said at the time, and uh, so that that was kind of my objective. Uh, and we were able to do that very quickly, and, and like like we changed everything, and and it's not all like coaching stuff, but we changed our shop management software, we changed our phone system. Like we just went right down the line and said, you know what, everything we're doing is is not great, so let's just one piece at a time, make this change, put it in place, get used to it. You know, two weeks or four weeks, six weeks later, once we're good, put the next piece in place and, and work our way through, and uh, and that growth really. Um, really helped us take off to utilize that building that we originally had. Once we started getting to capacity on that one, we went and got a second location. Once we got that one rolling, you know, we got third location and uh, and now we're just rolling like that. It's amazing, man.
0: So does each location have the the ministry shop connected to it?
1: Yeah, we have... That's our our whole goal is to be able to have our this partnership, this tightly coupled partnership between our nonprofit and our for profit side, and so we do ministry related stuff at every location. Now, based on the locations, we do more work at some places than others. So um, we we have a lot. At our original location has got a big fenced in lot, so we're able to store donated cars there. Um, our third location we have is a very small lot with very little parking, so we don't store any cars and we don't do a lot of physical work out of that shop, but we still utilize that building for um, other ministry related stuff. Yeah. So, uh,
0: you know, the word nonprofit, you know, uh, at face value, you know, there's no profit there, but yet you have this shop that is for profit. You know, how does this work? I mean, does all the money funnel into that? You know, are are you making profit? Like, what does that look like?
1: You know, so, so, to be clear, a nonprofit, it doesn't mean that they can't, the nonprofit can't make money. It means that people can't take the profits home with them. So if a nonprofit, like the NFL was a nonprofit for a long time, um, <clears throat> it, it just means that the owners can't take the money home. Um, so our nonprofit, of course, it doesn't make anything because it doesn't charge for any of its services. But uh, it, it's the, w- the way we word it is our for-profit was started to enable our nonprofit. So the for-profit provides this building and equipment, and you know the the lifts and the scan tools and all these pieces for our nonprofit. It provides the internet. It provides the phone system. Everything that our our nonprofit would need to operate. All that overhead, which is actually you know huge when you consider about all the overhead that a regular shop would have. Our our Nonprofit gets to use that for free. So it's actually a lot more valuable than just saying, we'll give you whatever profits are left over. Um, We, the for-profit doesn't necessarily donate all of its profit. It certainly doesn't donate all of its profits to the nonprofit because we use a lot of that resources that we, our profits to grow. And if we gave all of our money to the nonprofit, then we wouldn't have any money to, you know, go get the next location and keep the growth going. So uh, we really focus on, you know, we are, or I personally, through our for-profit, am the largest donor to our nonprofit, but uh, it's not all profits go to that.
0: Yeah. So I, when we were talking uh, before about you coming on the show and things like that, you you mentioned that you know you you've got this this thing that's working really well for you, and and you've tried to you know explain it to others and get people on board, and you've gotten a lot of pushback explain like you know again without knowing the ins and outs if if someone is just trying to have a profitable business why would they why would it be advantageous for them to give a portion of that profit away instead of you know them taking it personally and then saying well i'm going to give to charities myself personally and things like that like why does this work you know so well
1: well so there's really two groups of people I talk to people about this all the time and there's some people who look at this and say wow I wanted I've always wanted to do this and uh, and want to get involved and I love helping people get more involved in, in doing some sort of a give back thing through their shop and there's other people that have come to me and said you know uh this is just a giant headache. You're creating a lot of problems for yourself. You're attracting the wrong people, right? You're attracting people who can't afford to fix their cars, uh, and and what you're doing is you're distracting yourself from the ability to make your business really grow. And and I've, so I, I get run into a lot of naysayers. And the reality is if people aren't passionate about doing something like this, then they shouldn't do it. Like if your passion isn't that you want to help people with transportation uh, and help those who can't afford it, then, and then certainly go do something that you are passionate about. Uh, but there's a lot of benefits in having our nonprofit and our for-profit tied together. And we found that um, the biggest problem in our industry is trust, right? Like people don't trust yeah. auto repair shops. And and we're all working towards trying to be really trustworthy and so that that people will trust you. Well, it people inherently trust a shop that gives away cars and that they see helping the community. Like it doesn't make sense that somebody could that you would cheat one person and and do work that didn't need to be done on their car and then turn around and give that money to somebody else. Like that, that doesn't make sense. So having the the positive feedback and the positive um, you know, karma that comes from doing the nonprofit side uh, has really helped our for-profit grow because we get a lot of customers that come in and say, hey, you know, um, I've been really happy with the shop I've been going to, but I love what you're doing in our community and I want to support you. So they, they, the only reason why they came to us is because, they wanted to be part of what we're doing. Uh, we had a customer just this last week that said, you know, I went to three different shops and got different quotes and you guys were the highest quote. And we weren't, like, we weren't way above them. We were like within 10%, but we were the highest quote in on that particular job. And, he, and they brought it to us because they said, hey, we want to be part of what you're doing. So, now all of a sudden, it really provides a lot of really positive marketing side for us. And, you know, it works really good. Like news crews talk to us all the time. We're always on the news and on different events because, you know, people love the involvement that we have in the community. And then that carries over to our shop side as well.
0: Do you find that compared to other shops, like is your marketing budget the same, less, do you think that that affects your ability to uh, bring people into the repair
1: shop? Oh, it, it, Certainly makes a huge impact for bringing people into the repair shop. We have a significant marketing budget just because we're of our really rapid growth, right? When we first started, uh, we thought we'd rely hundred percent on our nonprofit for our marketing and that wasn't that it's not that effective. You can't not at the rate we wanted to grow. So we do do a lot of marketing, but it, our marketing is much more impactful because of uh, what we do in the rest of the community and the the positive positivity that people see coming out of that.
0: Do you advertise the fact that the ministry is supported by the shop in your marketing?
1: All the time. Yeah, we okay. talk about... Uh, uh, we do radio, you know, like uh, we do a lot of radio. Uh, we, even in our mailers that we send out, we do mailers. It talks about who we are and what we do, and it talks about how our, you know, our for profit's there to enable our nonprofit, and uh, and how much of an impact that makes in a way that, like, like I said, the enabling that the for profit does in resources is um, more than we ever would have imagined. we went from having two lifts available to us at our, you know, before we started the shops to 30 lifts now, like that increases your throughput a lot. Our nonprofit now has given away 389 cars in our community and we've done over 850 free car repairs. So, uh, the impact has been just tremendous. And there's a, there's a lot of people that we talk to that say, Hey, you know what? Um, I, you, you guys helped my sister. You guys helped, mm-hmm. you know, my friend, my coworker, and uh, we just love like it was get life changing for them. And then, you know, not only do they want to support our nonprofit, but they end up wanting to support our shop as well.
0: So, uh, for the people listening, I, I want to, I want this to not only. Position, that, like how this is impacting your community and how uh, this is something they could do. Uh, but I also want to give them some practical steps. So, uh, you know, we've talked about the structure a little bit and, and, and things like that and what actually you're accomplishing through the ministry uh, with, with the shop connected to it. Um, but walk me through, like, how do you get a car? Like, what's, you know, end to end? You get a car. How do you you know, know what to fix on it or what do you fix on it? How do you find the right person to give it to? What does that process look like? Walk us
1: through that. So the car, all the cars that we get are donated to us. There's a lot of people out there who have cars that they don't want anymore. They don't need. They don't know what to do with. And so there's... Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more cars than people think that, that people want to are willing to just give away if they know they're going to go to a good use. And there's different ways of donating. You, know, you can donate to like uh, NPR or something like that. But people are more excited about donating their car if they know somebody's going to get to drive that car again and it's not just going to go to auction. Uh, once we get the car in... Uh, we go through and we assess it just like the regular shop would and make sure we fix we fix anything that we consider a safety or reliability issue. And so we have that same bar. You know, it's not going to go out with any check engine lights on. We're going to make sure that any safety or reliability issues are completely handled. You know, it's got good tires. Um, there's nothing there. But that, that every shop, that's listening to this, I'm sure, has got that part down. That's really easy. Right. The next part is, how do you find that person that you want to give the car to? And this is where it gets a little bit challenging. And there's there's basically two approaches to take with this, and they each have their advantages and disadvantages. The one is, is more of the traditional approach that we see shop owners doing is to go out there and get nominations. And so they'll say, hey, we're going to put this in our marketing. We're going to give away a car. Please nominate somebody. And then all these people come in and say, hey, I know this person's good. And then you get to spend some time trying to vet who the uh, who the best candidate or the right candidate for you is. Uh, the other approach is to partner with other local assistance agencies in your town and say, we've got the homeless shelters, we've got the recovery places, the mental health organizations, the people coming out of jail systems, the veterans associations. Like There's all these different organizations that are trying to help people and those people also have transportation issues. Now, The advantage of going out there and getting nominations is you get instant marketing. Like if you call up your radio station or TV or local news and say, we're going to give away a car, you're going to get some instant marketing and that's great. The disadvantage of it is it's very, now you have this challenge of how do you vet these people and how do you tell, do they really need it or are you just giving it to the person who writes the best story? And so that's a, it's a very, challenging way to figure that out. The other problem that we see people have all the time is they'll have five different candidates that they really want to give the car to and only one person. And it becomes very stressful. And then they're like, well, maybe I can help these people later, but you know, how long is it going to take me to give away five cars? Um, so a lot of time is spent with that and and it actually can add a lot of stress to the, the whole situation. The approach that we take is is the second one. We work with over 40 different organizations in our town. Those organizations already have a personal relationship with these people and have already vetted them and know their situation. So we go to them and say, hey, we want to give a car to somebody where this car is going to be life-changing for them, right? They need to have, they have to have a driver's license, you know, they need to have the means to support the vehicle once they have it, but we're looking for not, not, We don't want to give a car to grandma so she can make it to bingo on Tuesday nights. We want to give the car to a single mom so she can get her kid to school and she can get her job and become self-sufficient. And what we find is it's very low effort for us to be able to get a large number of referrals that are very high quality referrals because Mm -hmm. these people already have a relationship with them. They know that they're not just making up stories.
0: I think one thing that someone listening who's never done this before may be concerned about, and I've heard, you know, as things like this before is you know, you, you give a car to someone um, and, and it changes their life. But you know, let's say that a week after you give it away to them, they get a check engine light or you know, something happens to the car. Uh, what, how does that work? I mean, are they coming back to you and they're like, hey, you gave me a bad car and you've got to fix this? Or you know, is, is it something where you guys, you know, have a warranty on it? Like, how does that work?
1: So we have a we, we have a money back guarantee on every car we give away because you know they never gave us any money, yeah, yeah. so that works out pretty easily. <laughs> I was but like, no.
0: wait a second.
1: <laughs> no the uh, the reality is uh, this is something that if you're going to give away cars, you need to think this through and say what what are we going to do and what is our policies going to be on this? And you got to be really upfront with this. Like just because you give somebody a car doesn't mean you're obligated to support them with that car for the rest of their life. But you do want to have something kind of set out. Up upfront. What we do is in our situation where we do give away a lot of cars is if there's a situation where there's a catastrophic failure, um, within the first, uh, a couple months of getting the car, our, our, our cutoff, I think is two months. Uh, we're just going to replace that car with them as quickly as possible. And we're going to cover any title transfer costs and anything like that and get them in another car. Because it, if something happens that soon, that, that probably was our fault. We missed something that, that has happened. You know, we've given away 389 cars. I think we've had three like catastrophic failures um, during that time, which I'm actually pretty happy about. That, yeah. That's not too bad. Um, but there is the problem where you get this car, maybe it's been sitting for a long time, you fix everything you know, they start putting miles on it and then you get the check engine lights and, and other issues that you know you wouldn't have seen without driving a lot of miles. Um, and that's something you'd want to say, hey, you know what, We're maybe we'll... We'll support this car for six months or a year. You know, in our in our organization, we do car repairs for people too. So, if we give them a car, they can come back and apply for a repair, and we can we'll probably do that repair for them going forward. For we, we have a limit to how many times we'll fix cars. But what we found is uh, we don't generally see people more than six months or a year after we've given the car because they've really the majority of them have been able to get themselves self sufficient enough where they don't have to. Uh, do that work you know we've got or we don't have to do the work for them they can afford to to do it themselves we've got one great example of a guy that we gave a vehicle to and he said he needed a a four-wheel drive vehicle because he just gotten training he was starting a job in construction and it had to be big enough to hold a child seat because his girlfriend and his newborn were were there so he needed to be able to transport to her. and we had just had somebody donate a suburban to us so we fixed it up we gave it to him Um, like three years later, we're still see this guy. He brings his car into the shop for us at our, to our shop. Uh, He's paying for the repairs now, but now it's no longer his girlfriend. It's his wife. Now they don't have one kid. They've got two. They've got a second vehicle that they bought for her, that she drives. And he's still driving that suburban because it was so impactful to him that like he, he, he's got this emotional attachment to it that he doesn't want to let it go. So he's no longer you know living off of the system or living off of handouts. He's supporting himself and his family. And, uh, and that vehicle was one piece of that puzzle. We weren't the only thing, right? He had gotten education on how to do this work. He'd gotten support from the, the organization that we partnered with. And then he'd actually done the work to, to become successful. But we were able to help enable him. To get there, you know, we we kind of think of it. You know, pe- sometimes people say, "Hey, you know, you could either give somebody a fish or you can teach them how to fish." Right? And there's that argument, and and what the way we look at it is, we're not actually teaching anybody how to fish. We're not teaching. We're not going to teach anybody how to, you know, work or, or that. That's what the partner organizations we work with do. What we're not actually giving them a fish because we're not giving them money to live off of what we're doing is we're giving them the fishing pole, right? If you want to, if somebody else is teaching them a fish and we can have them in the fishing pole, how much more successful are they going to be in life that way?
0: Yeah. that, That makes a ton of sense. What are some other policies that you've had to put in place, uh, that maybe someone listening that wants to do this needs to know about?
1: Um, the, the big things are making sure that the people that are looking for vehicles, um, have a driver's license. Um, they, You know, that's one that gets skipped all the time and we actually make them now, you know, show us a photocopy of the driver's license up front before we even have them make the referral because a lot of people say, well, I will have my driver's license by then, right? I'm going to get it soon and, you know, soon doesn't always come soon. So making sure that they've got the driver's license um, and that they have the ability to be able to afford, you know, gas and uh insurance and, you know, the basic support, you know, a vehicle is an asset, but there's a liability to it also. Um, other policies that we have is to make sure that we're giving away cars that are going to be, uh, that aren't going to be a big liability for somebody. So, you know, we get cars, all sorts of cars donated, but, you know, we're in North Dakota. We're not going to give away a convertible. Um, we're not going to give away a big lifted four by four. We don't give away most Euro vehicles. They're just, you know, unless it's like maybe a Volkswagen, they're just too expensive to maintain long-term. Um, so we're, we really look at and say, hey, is this is this a vehicle that they're going to be able to afford? And and our goal is that if this vehicle can last them two years, then hopefully they're able to, you know, move up by a nicer vehicle. But we, we look at it saying, is this vehicle something that we think is going to be relatively more, Low maintenance for the next the next two years, and and we don't really care a lot about mileage on the vehicle. We care about you know how well it's been maintained up to this point. Like anybody who knows the shop knows that maintenance is key. How every time. Yeah, I I love
0: that we've been able to have this conversation. Uh, aside from the altruism, and and I don't even like that word. You're transforming lives, and you're taking a passion that that you have inside of you and you've actually formulated a plan and executed a plan to be able to really enable this passion to be you know your legacy and and what you're able to accomplish and i am sure that your employees love being a part of it uh you know your family and and the community i mean you are a light in that community Um, but i also am grateful that we've been able to have a conversation around. You know some of the logistics. You know, asking some questions that people in the back of their heads are wondering, uh, but maybe afraid to ask because you know it could sound you know like they're they're hushing the idea. Um, so, you know, what are some other things that you've heard from people that wanted to do this uh, that that maybe you need to address if someone's listening and they're they're on the fence about this idea.
1: Well, first of all, I think you give me a lot of credit for having a plan. I think this was more of God's plan that I stumbled into uh, than having a a full outside plan up front. There, okay. And and you're also very right. Uh, Our nonprofit and the impact we make in the community really does help us attract really great team members that want to be part of that. So it helps us attract people that want to help others. And and those people who want to help tend to be good people on the team. So uh, that really helps. Uh, the biggest thing that i see is is people's concern about liability if they give away a car um, you know what happens if i give away a car and, and something happens to it and the reality is the liability of giving away a car is no more than the liability of of selling a car if you sell a car as a uh, if, if you're not a dealer right if you sell a car you have no liability of, of the reliability of that car going forward. So there's not really anything that you need to worry about in that aspect. Um, the other thing that I see people struggling with is there's a lot of people who love being part of doing work like this. So if you want to be able to give away a car, give away cars, uh, don't think it has to be just you. Like involve other people and get and, and see who else might want to be part of this? You'll probably be able to find people who want to donate the cars to you. When we first had people donating cars, we didn't have our nonprofit stuff set up right, so they couldn't even write it off. And the reality is with our current tax laws, most people can't write off the, the donations anyway. Um, that, But people want to be part of that. So they'll They'll donate the cars, so that helps. Go talk to your parts vendors. They'll probably give you some free parts or really discounted parts to help be part of giving away the cars. Talk to uh, your... your uh, technicians and other team members, they'll probably help you come in on weekends and, and do this. We don't pay for any labor to fix these cars. Our nonprofit does it all with volunteer labor. Um, so you don't have to take this all on yourself. And if you have a community of people doing this, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more exciting and you can be a lot more productive. Did you know that some web
0: design companies use the same wording across all their clients' sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shops websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leads near or calling 888-953-2379 leads near me effortlessly increase car count. That's amazing. It really is that, uh, there's so many layers of impact for the community and, and really for the people involved in your business. I, I, you know, as you explain this more and more uh, it's just incredible. The, the onion layers of this
1: thing. It's true. Like even when we look at our, our volunteers, like the people who fix our cars in our, uh, for all of our nonprofit, they're all volunteers. So they're all there on their own choice. A lot of them are our technicians. Uh, Some of them are other technicians from other shops. Some of them are retired technicians and some of them are just hobbyists. But the community of people that come in, you know, every week, every other week, uh, to come in and, and spend their Saturday mornings working on cars to give away. You know, we had over thirty people volunteer last Saturday to come in and work on cars, and that community is is huge and it's impactful because they all go home with a smile on their face, knowing they made a difference in somebody's life.
0: Another revelation that I'm having right now in this conversation is that i uh, i I wonder if people listening you know maybe you're saying oh well i'm 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 not profitable i I don't have the means to do this but but what I'm hearing from you is that you know this is not something that they have to actually necessarily have financial you know production in I mean you mentioned that you're uh, finan- uh, what what's the term you um, something that they don't necessarily have to have profits and able to fund. And it sounds like that you're able to have cars donated, you're able to have labor donated from people, Um, you know, maybe some parts, but I wonder if even some part houses are willing to give some uh, discounts there. Uh, I mean, is there anyone that you say, hey, wait till you get to a certain point to do this?
1: You know, I had just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with another shop owner who is a small shop owner. He was really struggling to, to get his, his act together so his shop was profitable. But he was really passionate about being able to make a positive impact in the community. And, you know, my recommendation to him is, you know, this gets easier and easier the more of a reputation you build in the community. Uh, the more people know that you're giving back, not only is that reputation going to help your shop grow, but it's going to help your nonprofit grow because people are going to, you know, want to be part of what you're doing. But what the work that we do doesn't have to be just, um, you know, giving away. It doesn't have to require cash. And so what I told them to do is go talk to their local, his local homeless shelter or the local food pantry or some organization like that, and say, you know what. I will fix your cars, Your, you know, their vehicles that they used to haul people around uh, for just the cost of parts. Now it doesn't take a penny out of his pocket. He's able to do this, you know, in his spare time, maybe nights or weekends, he can come and do this. He can make that impact. He can start, you know, helping other people feeling good about that. And, And building that reputation uh, without actually requiring anything out of his pocket. And that nonprofit that he's working with is suddenly going to get their vehicle repaired drastically cheaper so they can use those same resources towards something else. Most nonprofits are paying full price for auto repairs. So you can just go in there like that and start making an impact right now without any liability or, or costing any money, just a little bit of your time and more importantly, your knowledge.
0: I think it would be incredible if you know people listening would start diving into this because uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, and, and, and I think everyone knows auto repair does not have the best reputation. I mean, from the the gotcha pieces on TV and, and just you know what people have experienced uh, in the past. What I love about this is not only are we serving our community, but we're transforming how the communities view auto repair. And and really elevating uh, that reputation, and, and so that, I mean, man, as we're talking, there's so many benefits, both personally, community-wise, that that are uh, that are created from being willing to to dive into something like this. That's that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, it not only does it make a big impact in the reputation of your shop, and if we get a lot of shops doing this, the reputation of our entire industry. Uh, But the reality is auto shop owners are uniquely positioned to be able to make an impact in a way that nobody else can. I was just talking recently to another nonprofit that does the same type of things that we do, try and help people, but they aren't an auto repair shop. And the struggles that they're having uh, are are almost insurmountable because of all the, the legal issues and the insurance issues and... These are things that just aren't an issue for those who own an auto repair shop. So it's very easy that people who have a shop, they've got the tools already. They've got the knowledge to know what repairs need to be done and what don't. How do we do those repairs? What makes sense? When do we call it? Uh, they they have the contact with the community. They can start this uh, where other people can't and or it's very, very difficult. So I think they're really uniquely in a great spot to be able to make a big impact with a surprisingly small amount of effort. You are... You
0: are transforming lives. You are transforming communities and you're transforming shop owners' abilities. I, I, I'm, I am so glad that we have this conversation. This is great.
1: Well, I love this because my ultimate goal is to be able to help as many people with transportation issues as I can. And initially it was just through our nonprofit. Then I realized that our our for-profit business helps a lot more people than our nonprofit does just by getting quality, trustworthy car repairs done. And now I'm looking at saying, how many other shop owners can I help make an impact in their community? Because then it just multiplies over and over. So I love talking to people and sharing our story and uh, doing anything I can to help them grow any uh, charitable side of what they, they're doing.
0: Well, Matt, you've given us so many insights on how a shop can really be able to step into a greater level of significance. Uh, so I'm super grateful for your time. If, if someone's really like, man, I want to do this and they want some more information, where can they go to learn a little bit more about how your organization works?
1: Uh, the first thing I do is go look at our website. We've got, you know, fixitforwardautocare and fixitforwardministry.com. We're also on Facebook. You can see a lot of insight into what we do and how we do there. And then uh, from that, if people are really excited about this and want to know more, um, they certainly can, you know, email me directly.
0: Okay. And I'll put your email in the show notes. Perfect. All right. Well, Matt, I have one more critical question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be?
1: You know, this is this is a tough one for me to answer because I love cars. And every time I think of that, I think of all these cool cars and sports cars <laughs> and big four by fours. But the reality is, I think I'd be a bus because huh. the whole point of our organization is to be able to make impact in the community by getting other people involved. So our whole thing is how many people can we get to be part of what we're doing to help us grow and make a bigger impact so as dull of an answer that is i think we're a we're a bus what kind of bus would you be uh probably a big ugly yellow school bus all right
0: all right very good the one with like the the tape over where it's a school bus right right because you know, yeah. we're, we're not a school
1: anymore so <laughs> but we're effective yeah we get the job done
0: a great answer it suits you well well, Matt, again, thank you so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun, uh, folks. I will put that. Uh, I'll put the link to those uh, websites in the show notes for you and Matt's email address. So if you do want to reach out, reach out. And again, thank you so much for listening today, and have a wonderful week. That was my interview with Matt Carlson. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. So to help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. I want to say a special thanks to this show's sponsors, Leads Near Me and ShopFix Academy. We couldn't do the show without you. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.